Listening to the Park Crush Podcast. This is a theme park podcast. I'm Tom, and joining me, not quite as ever. He's actually missed a few now, but he's back. Oh. It's Josh. Josh. Hello there. You're back. How's it going? I'm back once again. Uh, yeah, very good. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. I'm quite grateful to have a day off the uh, Florida-esque climate that we've been experiencing here in the uk oh, the last yeah. few days it's been quite unpleasant i feel how, how have you been holding up um it seems that my room has been keeping cooler than most um keeping in the uh, upper 20s rather than the lower 30s which has been quite nice yeah that's uh, not bad but i i could go yeah. for some of that it's been it's been quite rough keeping it cool in here, especially working during the day with various computers on, etc. And well, I've been trying to play this video game called The Last of Us Part Two, which uh, I hear is kind of all the rage right now. But I mean, my PS4 trying to play that game, I think, in sort of uh, cooler uh, conditions would be a bit of a struggle because it sounds like that thing is about to take off or explode <laughs> or it's gasping for air. Maybe it's got the coronavirus. I don't know, but. Um, in these conditions, it's positively unbearable. It's like putting a heater oh, on no. in a room that is already really hot. So I haven't really played much <laughs> of that. So uh, I'm quite grateful for the cooler conditions, if only so that I can maybe make some progress on The Last of Us without feeling like I'm on Mustafar or something. Yeah, I bet. Um, you've got some new stuff as well, Josh. You've got a new podcast, a new piece of podcasting gear. I have, yeah. I've uh, I've got a a boom arm, I guess, uh, for my microphone. And and uh, I can already tell the quality of of your podcasting specifically has already gone up. I, you're like a new oh, yeah. podcaster already, purely based on having this boom uh, arm. It's shot through the roof, you know. Uh, for the past however many weeks we've been in lockdown, uh, I've been balancing my microphone on top of a stack of boxes. <laughs> uh, which have then obviously been on my desk, and that's been really, really annoying. Like to work around, uh, use the keyboard at the same time, that sort of thing. But now I've got you know so much room for activities. Indeed, it's great. So much room for activities. Although you know what other activities you would need to be doing whilst doing a podcast, I don't know. I mean, as we are. Our focus is 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 exclusively on podcasting whenever we do do this, uh, because that's that's what professionals are like. Uh, yes. I, I, I've also been having to sort of construct very sort of half-assed mic stands during this pandemic that's been on. Now, I think that the most effective base for a microphone that I have found is the uh, extended edition Blu-ray box set of The Lord of the Rings. It's quite a nice height, also a, a decent uh, width to uh, mount a microphone upon. So if anyone's out there wondering what's a good way, a budget way of propping up a microphone for a podcast, I would recommend the extended edition Blu-ray box set of The Lord of the Rings. But that's just me. That's great. Great show. I I wouldn't recommend uh, an iPad Pro box on top of an Xbox 
Elite controller box on top of uh, Sony headphones box. That's not the way to go. That sounds like you'd almost want it for for stability. You'd want that the other way round, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, but I used it as a. Um, I would then put uh, a speaker on the back of the iPad Pro box uh, to sort of cantilever the weight of the microphone. You've, you've put more thought into this than I had frankly expected, but. <laughs> Uh, you can only respect it, really. Uh, something else I respect was uh, Adrian Vasquez from Theme Park Express giving up his time to talk to us last week. Josh, you couldn't... Well, you were there for round one when we first tried to talk to Adrian for the podcast, so you, you got a decent idea of yes. what he had to say on that occasion. But I do highly encourage, if you didn't listen to last week's show, to go back and check it out. Adrian is a uh, Florida local who uh, has been to all the parks that have already reopened uh, since uh, the coronavirus hit and uh, had some really interesting thoughts on how they've been operating, specifically uh, Universal Parks, uh, Bush Gardens and SeaWorld. Um, as we will discuss later, uh, coronavirus in Florida is a bit of a scary situation right now. Uh, yeah, but yeah. It's been a mad week for theme park news, like maybe the most newsy of all of the weeks that we have been in lockdown. Although I don't know, Josh, based on the latest advice from the government, I think technically speaking, uh, thanks to this one metre plus rule, uh, we could podcast in the same room once again from next week so long as i don't know one of us was like wearing a hazmat suit or something i, I think that's how yeah, it works. i think that's yeah yeah i'm pretty sure there must be specific guidance for bedroom podcasts uh, i've seen people doing these po like podcasting in the same room i mean they've got a bigger room so they're doing it two meters apart but uh yeah people have gone back to podcasting in the same room already that's that's just need a bigger room that's well yes a bigger room would be good but that seems controversial i feel like from from the 4th of july you could you could make a, a case for yourself to to do a podcast in in the same room again but i feel like until then uh we're, we're going to play it safe we're going to stick to the rules until at least then i should say um yes but you're, you're already uh sort of getting ready to go back to relative normality after the 4th of July, which for people who aren't in the UK, that's basically when the government has told us we can start going to pubs again, restaurants, uh, uh, theme parks, cinemas, those kinds yeah. of places, albeit with loads of... They've got to be COVID secure, is I think the verbiage that they've gone for, which yes. um, and then we'll see. <laughs> Somewhere that hasn't been COVID secure at all are like every beach in the UK, which have all of a sudden become like extremely popular and yeah. very crowded and quite scary. Hotbeds, you could say. Hotbeds, yes, absolutely. Um, but we'll get to the, uh, well, we will talk about the UK park specifically in a second. I thought before we jump into, because there's lots of coronavirus stuff as there always is, but this week there really is a lot. But not content with loads of coronavirus news, there's also actual like traditional, hey, there's a new theme park ride to talk about news, which there hasn't been as much of during all this. But there's 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 two bits of it today, both via Disney, both re-themes rather than entirely new rides but both pretty significant one of them especially because it's splash mountain becoming the princess and the frog now before we dive in josh oh, yeah. you did some homework because you watched the princess and the frog for the first time as of recording just last Literally night last night yeah yeah uh i liked it it's a good film underrated yeah am, am i am i right in thinking that that is the last traditional 2d animated film that disney 
mate. Yes, I believe so. I think that's what one of the reasons they put down it down to uh, it flopping. I guess you could say um, that it was the traditional or semi-traditional style, and also uh, one of the other suggestions they put down is that it says princess in the name, and therefore boys don't want to watch it. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is why they they've changed their uh, you know t- naming strategy. Like Frozen doesn't mention princesses, even though it is a princess film. Uh, Moana the same as well. Tangled. Tangled, of course, yeah. Yeah, I didn't really think of that. That's that's not a bad. That that would make some sense to me, I suppose. I, mean, I also really like Princess and the Frog. I think it looks terrific, and I do wish that Disney would indulge uh, the purists out there with with a with a two D animation every now and then. Uh, it's got some good songs yeah, as well. Um, I mean, it's got just about everything you would want in a. Uh, in a classic sort of Disney princess film, even without considering the uh, the significance it holds for having the first, you know, black Disney princess and all the reasons it was yes. more culturally significant than your average Disney princess film for more from more recent years. Um, even if you strip that away, I just thought it was really well made and has a lot going for it. So, um, yeah, this is going to be. Uh, they're going to be retheming Splash Mountain to Princess and the Frog. Now, I guess the elephant in the room with Splash Mountain is that uh, it's long been, well, it was inspired based on characters from Song of the South, which is a movie that Disney, I think, wishes everyone would just forget existed. I, I don't uh, yes. I, I don't think it's even on Disney Plus, is it? With like a warning, no, no, I think no, it's just it's, not on there. It's, uh, I don't, it's not been available since VHS. Oh, wow, okay. Um, yeah, uh, even then it was early days VHS. Um, I have managed to find a copy of it and have watched it since then. Um, I can appreciate uh, people's um, dislike of that film, uh, in, you know, for its racial connotations. Um, it's it's easy uh, as, uh, I guess, a, a, a white person uh, as myself uh, to kind of uh, ignore that stuff because uh, it kind of glamorizes um being a slave in a way the same way as uh gone with the wind does um yeah but you know you you, you can still uh i think you can completely understand um where that's coming from uh, that being said i don't th- i think it's important that you know um this sort of thing is kind of made aware of is you know this is how that sort of thing was represented in its time um, and is uh, not correct. Mm, yeah. I mean, obviously with the Black Lives Matter movement in the last few weeks, uh, a lot of you know big brands and corporations have been rowing back on uh, parts of their output from over the years, both recent and more long-term and, and sort of holding their hands up and saying this was not right at the time, it's not right now, we apologise, we won't be doing it you know gone with the wind i think got taken off the newly launched hbo max in the us and then yes. put back on with a warning certain shows have just been pulled from the platforms that yeah. they were on some have had individual episodes uh, removed yeah. characters are being looney tunes for a long time uh, has actually had the uh, there are racial connotations in this that we don't agree with they weren't right at the time aren't right now but we're keeping these uh, alive for historical purposes they've run that message for quite a number of years now yes uh tom and jerry as well um some of the old hanna barbera stuff also has warnings to that effect um but i I think 
like Disney has never and some of the Disney stuff or Disney Plus does have some of that I think I think Dumbo has as has a warning to that effect on it I think Peter Pan does I don't think they're as explicitly um apologetic for uh the the potentially offensive content in those films it's just i think it's 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 far more hand wavy it's a little bit sort of ah oh, there are some outdated cultural depictions in here just so you know <laughs> uh, that kind of thing <laughs> right but yeah song of the south not even on disney plus and to be fair it's not just a disney plus thing it's i think disney have long kind of uh, ignored Song of the South and to be honest it's got to a point where I think when you ask most people who are familiar with the characters oh where's Br'er Rabbit from uh, they will say Splash Mountain rather than Song of the South and all those characters have almost become more associated with the Splash Mountain ride than Song of the South yes. because it feels very much like a classic Disney ride and I think if you asked a lot of younger people especially um they would probably think it's like a, a theme park original and wasn't even based on a movie. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. With that in mind, uh, do, do you think? I mean, and just I mean, Disney claim that this is not a reaction or a response to what's been happening recently, and that this has been a long time coming. Uh, which you know, you, you're willing to give them the benefit of the doubt on because they've obviously been able to release a load of concept art, and it's clearly something they have been working on for a while, but. Do you do you agree with the with the sort of the motivation behind it, which presumably is that the the film that the ride is currently based on is outdated in in that sense, or do you think it's more to do with the fact that Disney just want to get more modern stuff in their parks in terms of because it's going to be another ride that is based on a much more modern film uh, and another one of the original attractions that is changed yeah. in some way um well i think that uh you know people have raised their opinions on whether it was you know because of what's happening now or not um from what from my understanding from what i've heard and what i've read over the past couple of years uh this uh re-theming has been um a potential idea for a number of years now um so uh, i think it's certainly been considered for a while but probably just been like, oh, we probably don't need to do that yet because that's a lot of money mm. to, to do this retheme. Because uh, the thing about Splash Mountain is a lot of it is made of all of the animals and stuff, and the theming is all concrete, which means it'd be really hard to retheme because yeah. concrete is really hard to change. Um, so I do think that with the uh, current movement, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement that is so widespread right now particularly um that is why they have made this decision uh, to change it now um otherwise i think they would have just kept putting it off and put it off until there was a point where they thought it more financially viable to make this change um and i i guess they're, they're considering that this is the point where it's the most financially viable to make this change um yeah yeah it's interesting. Um, yeah. Splash Mountain is one of my really, like, yeah. I've always really enjoyed Splash Mountain um, because, uh, like, if you take away the uh, the racial connotations from Song of the South, which obviously you can't, the uh, animation in that film is excellent and the kind of, the, the that sort of stuff is, is really good fun. Um, and that is what Splash Mountain is obviously based on. Um, but removing the racial, racial connotations is... Obviously, the part that is problematic there, um, but the fun part 
that people have grown to know and love and that you know that he's part of the ride is obviously really fun um so it is going to be a shame to lose it but um having said that having watched princess and the frog i can kind of understand where it could potentially go yeah and obviously it's you know it's a re-theme and the concept art very much shows that that you know that is the case you know the 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 drop all the ride elements the type of ride that it is that won't change um you you could very easily you know almost map out in your head how the individual scenes could change uh so it you know it, it it makes a lot of sense in that regard although obviously as you said at the top with princess and the frog being relatively speaking a flop um it's it's interesting yeah. to see that i mean obviously you know given as you say i think this plan has probably been in the offing for a while but maybe has been accelerated because of uh, current events and and given the uh, black lives matter movement it's no doubt significant that this ride that is based on a film with lots of uh, questionable racial connotations is going to be rethemed to a film that featured Disney's first African-American princess. Um, that's definitely significant. But as you say, because the film isn't like a mega hit, um, it's interesting to see it, you know, given this huge, this huge place in the, in the park now, because it's always going to be known as, Oh, this is the thing that replaced splash mountain. Uh, I mean, to be honest, I think if the ride is able to generate newfound popularity for the film, uh, that'd be good because I'd probably see a Princess and the Frog 2, but only if it was 2D, obviously. Obviously, yeah. Um, I, uh, I think there is a scene right near the end of the film where uh, they are still both frogs, spoiler alert, um, and they get married. Yeah. Uh, and, like, that felt... I'm almost quintessentially uh, Splash Mountain to me, that scene. Right, yeah. Um, I was like, wow, like if you could f- use this along the way, you could actually keep a lot of the um, stuff that people really like about Splash Mountain, um, but retell this new story um, with it, but have the, keep the similar fun that people know and love of Splash Mountain. Mm. Uh, so it's worth noting that this is uh, this rethink is going to apply to the ride at Magic Kingdom and at Disneyland. Uh, although there's no mention of whether the Tokyo Disneyland version will change. Um, in terms of time scale, I, I, I would again, there's no, there, there's not masses of information out there on that. Mostly just speculation. It will be interesting because obviously both parks are approaching quite major anniversaries. Um, yeah. Whether or not they feel, like, I mean, as you say, it's it's going to be a lot of work to do this. Probably seems inconceivable that they could start and finish prior to each park's respective anniversary. So whether or not, given that, this is actually some way off because they'll leave Splash Mountain open until both parks hit their anniversary and then close it and retheme and maybe have it ready for a sort of mid-2020s date, which... Uh, you know, in the case of Florida, would give Disney, you know, another new attraction to counter everything that Universal are doing around that time with Epic Universe, etc. But yeah, yeah. Um, there's some, uh, there are a few quotes going around from people at Disney. Um, this is from Carmen Smith, who's creative development and inclusive strategies executive. What a title! 
at Walt Disney Imagineering. What's the title? She said, uh, we continually evaluate opportunities to enhance and elevate experiences for our guests. It's important that our guests be able to see themselves and the experiences we create because we consider ourselves constant learners. We go to great lengths to research and engage cultural advisors and other experts to help guide us along the way. I'm incredibly proud to see this work continue to move forward with great support from leadership across Disney. Um, Charita Carter is going to be overseeing the project, apparently. She led development on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, which was very well received. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Uh, albeit it was only open for a couple of weeks. And they're going to get all the voices back, right? All the proper cast. Yeah, to you would do think. The voices. You, would, you would absolutely think so. Um, I'm just trying to think. I could be very wrong. Yeah, I I can't, off the top of my head, think of another Disney attraction, certainly in Florida, that has a sort of, well, a a black lead character, you know, the the more story-driven rides, um, unless I'm forgetting something very, very obvious. But, uh, again, I think if there is one and I just can't think of it, I think that's testament to the fact that there certainly aren't many. So... Much like the film was, much like the film was significant for uh, for its cast and its main character, um, the ride the ride will be as well. I think. So. Um, I, I I guess the um, no, like the Animal Kingdom obviously has it's it's set in well, a lot of those countries, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah, that's true. You get that stuff there, but um, I don't think. But even so, uh, the. The, the safari at Animal Kingdom had that storyline, right? But they've taken that out now. So you don't even get the um, local, um, you know, tri- uh, po- poacher hunters. Mm. You don't even get those people anymore, yeah. conservationists. So, um, and the theming, especially at Disneyland pa- uh, California, fits perfectly with the uh, area of the park it's in because it's um, based, it's New Orleans. So, oh, yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, less so in Florida, but I'm sure they can they can sort something out. Um, like yeah, I I will miss Splash Mountain. Uh, it's it, I mean it was probably one of the first theme park rides I ever did in my life, uh, and I may well have ridden it for the last time at this point. Um, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I think as I said at the top, in terms of people associating Grey Rabbit and all those characters with the ride more than the. Uh, Song of the South movie. Uh, that's certainly the case for me. Uh, you know, I've got some old little figurines from way back uh, of Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Fox, and when I look at those, I think of Splash Mountain. I don't think of Song of the South um, and Zippity Doodah and everything is all very much uh, associated with Splash Mountain for me. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm up for I'm, I'm up for seeing what they what they do. Um, It'll be interesting to see whether they, you know, employ some of the more modern and advanced forms of uh, animatronic technology that they've been using recently. When you think of, like, the Navi on the uh, uh, Pandora River ride, or uh, like yeah. the the face the, projections that you see on Snow White and Frozen. Yeah, the upcoming Bell. Yes. In, uh, at Tokyo. China, is it? Tokyo, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think there's lots of potential yeah. here, and um, I mean. There are there's a certain 
portion of the Disney theme park fandom, which seem very upset about it, uh, kind of aggressively so, uh, which I'd rather just not really indulge because <laughs> uh, it's yeah. just kind of disturbing the, uh, the the true sadness that many feel about a theme park ride being replaced. I like to think that we straddle the line okay between clearly being massive nerds but not complete saddos. Um, some have veered <laughs> far in the latter direction and I I think maybe let's just not give them any oxygen by talking about their weird concerns but um yeah yeah I don't I don't mind a ride going away if the ride that replaces it is of the level or better yes exactly like I you know you think of I mean a good example of when it can go wrong is something like earthquake which I think a lot of people had had a had a decent amount of fondness for even when it got changed to disaster uh, but then when it changed yeah. to fast and the furious i think everyone from fast and the furious fans to your average theme park goer uh, found that to be it finds that to be a lesser experience than what it was before so but i i think given that this is splash mountain we're talking about um it, I think I think that they'll I think they'll do it right. I, I think one yeah, thing it's that's got in, some pedigree. Yeah, definitely. Um, just before we move on from Splash Mountain, um, I think it's Bob Weiss who anyone who's watched the Imagineering story will be very familiar with. Um, he has spoken a little bit about this as well, and he has acknowledged that with this project having effectively been sort of accelerated, there are a few longer term projects at some of the disney parks that maybe their future is a little bit more up in the air he, he did say that ones that are like clearly far down the track like avengers campus and uh projects like that will clearly you know open albeit delayed but they will open in the not too distant future whereas i think others that had a little more of a longer term completion date in mind like the tron coaster at magic kingdom that could be a little further along uh, in terms of opening and then some stuff really? that was okay. a far more conceptual, like all the plans for Epcot. Think of you know the Mary Poppins uh, stuff that's being added to the London section of the pavilion. Um, yeah, there could be you know more doubts about that kind of stuff, which I think we've spoken about before. I think inevitably the coronavirus is going to have a lot of parks reassessing their longer term plans. So it'll be interesting to see how much of it just completely falls by the wayside, or whether or not they're able to pick up the baton at some point further along. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, one final question for you, Tom, Ooh. on this, actually. Uh, so, obviously, Splash Mountain. Uh, the, the ride is not called Song of the South. No. Uh, it's called Splash Mountain. Uh, will it keep its name, or will they change the name? That's a very good question. Uh, I don't know. To me, it feels wrong to kind of get rid of the name, in a way. Uh, obviously, part of the tradition of the the mountains at Magic Kingdom and uh, Disneyland. Yes, that's true. I mean, obviously, they could, you know, give it give it a new font treatment, new logo, um, and, and you know, change not just the theming of the ride, but the whole vibe of the uh, the yes. entrance to the to the ride, of course, and um, you know, the gift shop, and 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 there's been some di some discussion about whether or not. Uh, there's a the the restaurant that features in Princess and the Frog could make a really cool dining <sighs> experience around that sick. part of the land as well. That'd be so Certainly good. Certainly in the Disneyland version. Um, 
So yeah, I, Princess Tiana's Adventures on Splash Mountain. Sure, that's they could, yeah, that exactly. That would be I think the official verbiage for that is going the Hagrid route. But I, yes. I'm I'm game for that. Sure, why not? Uh, actually, one one final thing about this, Josh. Oh. I know you're not a fan of pop pop vinyls. Uh, oh God! However, I must admit I have long. I mean, I I'm. <laughs> I'm I'm in an abusive relationship with pop vinyls because I think they're bad, and yet I have probably a dozen and a half of them at this point. I reckon, which is you know, compared to a lot of people, a fairly modest collection, but more than anyone probably should have. Yeah, uh, it's um a dozen and a half more than I have. That's true. Uh, having said that, I feel like you know if if you were ever going to bite the bullet, there might I, I feel like theme park exclusive pop vinyls could be something that was relatively up your street and i think universal have some uh, and i think disney well disney certainly do and and some of the ones that i've long looked at rather enviously in terms of the disney offering are these splash mountain pop vinyls of uh brer rabbit brer bear and brer fox and uh, of course they're obviously i think they, they were impossible to get hold of as of quite a few years ago at this point but the prices have shot up on eBay. People oh, wow. taking advantage of this of this of this news about the ride and selling them on eBay. Huge markups going for well over two hundred dollars. Which, to be honest with you, is clearly a lot and way more than you would want to spend on a pop vinyl, whether one or or three. But um, I, I got to say, still not maybe as much as I was expecting. I feel like there are enough crazies out there that you could probably command far north of $200 for uh, Brer Fox, uh, Brer yeah. Bear and Brer Rabbit in pop vinyl form. But um, uh, I don't yeah. know. So this article that I've got up on uh, the InsideTheMagic.com website um, has one that is, as of the picture being taken, uh, is $117 and has 10 bids on it. I still had six days to go. Oh, maybe I should get in on that. It's payday next week, Josh. I could, I could treat myself. <laughs> I have seen a really cool one actually of them in the in the boat from the ride in the in the log flume. It's quite a good one. That'd be quite cool. Yeah, and and I know because the boat at uh, Disneyland uh, California is different to the one in Disney uh, at Magic Kingdom. Ah, what what is it? Is it less of a log it's, and more of a traditional boat a, or? It's um I th- I can't remember exactly off the top of my head now. I think it is uh one in front of the other instead of two by two. Oh okay yeah like Dudley Do. Yeah. Yes. Good yeah. Uh but yes if you uh if you've long been thinking maybe it's time to get in on this Splash Mountain pop vinyl hype, uh you're gonna want to move you're gonna want to move fast, and uh, maybe maybe not look at your uh, credit card statement for a few weeks afterwards just to avoid any potential <laughs> shame. Uh, Maybe. But that's Splash Mountain. Significant news. Uh, and in other Disney re-themed news, Josh, what's yes. going on with the backlot tour at Disneyland Paris, or specifically Walt Disney Studios Park? Yes. Um, well... Obviously, a lot going on at the Walt Disney Studios Park. Um, it's true with the uh, Avengers retheming um, of you know, Air, you know rock and roller coaster Avec Aerosmith et al. Is there some Frozen? Um, is there a Frozen thing coming there as well? Am I making that up? 
that is that is part of the grand plans, I believe. What about some Star um, Wars? That, Star Wars as well, I think, is on the is on the grand plans. Right. The vision of the future. Um and as part of that vision of the future, the uh Backlot Tour is no more. It has been shut for uh, a little while now, I believe. The Backlot Tour starring um, Jeremy Irons. Starring Jeremy Irons and that French uh, actor who I don't know her name. Um and I don't know she, what she's been in, to be honest. But, um, you know, Jeremy Irons has been in, shed loads of stuff. He, uh, she seems has. to have been in some French thing that I <laughs> haven't watched because I don't speak French. Sacre um, bleu. Sacre bleu, indeed. Uh, so as part of the tram tour, there was uh, two separate, there was two kind of main sections. Uh, you had like, uh, the later oh. section was like a town a London city looking thing that was a bit of a mess uh, and then the other yeah. one uh, was one that people that have been to uh, MGM Disney's Hollywood Studios would be uh, f- familiar uh, with is um, Disaster Canyon I believe it's called yeah it's, it's coming back to me now it's coming back to me now this was part of the Paris trip our Paris trip from well getting on for two years ago now somehow yeah. That I had kind of forgotten large chunks of it, to be honest, this ride. But as you talk about it, it's coming back to me. And yeah, there was kind of a disaster canyon section that was very reminiscent of what used to be at MGM. Uh, there were Yeah, I think it's more or less identical. Yeah, there was also a section where you were driving past a load of props, much the same way yeah. as you did on, on the MGM version as well, albeit props from movies that I don't think I'd ever heard of. Uh, it wasn't exactly a, an A-list cast of props. No, and uh, and then yeah, you had all these kind of sets of um, kind of was it was it a London esque town? For some reason, I feel like it was almost more like a well, like a sort of European, maybe like a, almost more sort of Italian in in theming, or like a little French oh. village or something. I don't remember it being I sort of London esque, but maybe I'm completely misremembering. I thought it had London road signs, but maybe I, it again, did. Like, I honestly I could be can't mistaken. remember. But. Um. But that is not. I think that's getting torn down for the adventure of like back of house of Avengers. I think. Right. Um, but Disaster Canyon is getting a retheme. Oh. And that retheme is, um, cars. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I don't like cars. I mean, in my personal opinion, and I understand why this didn't happen because obviously kids like cars and toy cars and there's more merchandising opportunities for cars but princess and the frog deserved the success that cars had josh that's my humble view they should have been their successes should have been reversed to use some car terminology did you like that there some i i I fully appreciated that thanks very much yeah uh, you are a cars guy, as in like you like actual cars, and you're. I do you, like you actual like cars, cars yes. to an extent, as in cars the movie, but not like you're not obsessed with cars the movie. Correct. Uh, yeah, I I appre- uh, I quite like the first one. Um, I think it is the weakest of Pixar's lineup yes. in terms of franchises. Um, cars two is almost certainly Pixar's worst film I've not seen it but yes I've heard that from others um, and Cars 3 I think is 
picks it up again. It's decent enough. Um, it's better than Cars 2. Uh, right. But Cars 1... Better than uh, Cars 2. I think it's good fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant to hear. It, yeah. Um, I don't know, talking Cars is always good fun. It's, it's, a, it's a, I guess, a re... Uh, I imagining of the Toy Story idea, but with cars. Yeah. Um, and there's kind of some cool moments in those where, uh, so the UK version had Jeremy Clarkson as one of the voices, but the uh, American version had, uh, was it, uh, was it Leno? Was it Jay Leno? Yeah, yeah, it was. Jay Leno, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then... I can't remember if it, uh, yeah, that's, I think that's it. And then, because then there was a spin-off of it called Planes, and in Planes, there's a like a blimp, like a commentator blimp, and that is done. The voice of that is Crofty, who does the F1 coverage on Sky Sports in the UK, but it's a different guy in America. Right. Uh, but that was actually handled by a different company, but again, regardless. Um so this is part of Disaster Canyon is becoming part of Cars Route 66 road trip. Okay. What kind of ride is this going uh, to be? Um, I don't know for sure. Um, I've only seen some, some uh, kind of concept work of it. I haven't seen uh, any, like, what sort of ride it is. Right. To be, but, f- to be fair, the, the Radiator Springs section of California Adventure seems... To be pretty well done from what from what I've seen of it. So, if they're able to take some inspiration from what they did over there, maybe maybe they could end up turning this into something pretty cool. I mean, the only cars experience I've had at a Disney park is when the old lights motor action stunt show at MGM uh, briefly towards the end of its run, I think, had Lightning McQueen feature. Yes. Um, but other than that, I don't think I've had any cars exposure at the Disney parks. Um, there is a cars um, attraction now uh, around the back of uh, Rock and Roller Coaster at MGM. Yes. So You're, yes. If you you have to go past Rock and Roller Coaster to get to it, it's like in a really random spot that is like miles away. It's where cars but, deserve to be. Just parked yeah. off around the back somewhere. Like, yeah, it's here if you want to, I guess. We've hidden it away so that no one knows this is where you've come because you'd be too ashamed to tell your family that you've you've gone to queue for cars. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, it doesn't, so I've, I've looked up some stuff here. It doesn't seem to say what sort of ride it is, um, but Disaster Canyon is getting a retheme as part of it, and that retheming has the truck and the water tank being rebranded as Dynaco, which is the uh, in uh, in universe oil company from Toy Story as well. Uh, yeah, okay. Dynaco is yes. the when they go to the petrol station in Toy Story One, uh, when Buzz and Woody yeah. end up at the petrol station. Um, there's that's a Dynaco petrol station, I believe. Uh, yeah, so that's that's cool, I guess. I mean, they're doing a lot of work. There's lots of plans in the offing for Walt Disney Studios Park, so it's good to see that that theme park getting some TLC because I think for mm. a long time it was considered, well, rubbish. Uh, and when we went, you know, I thought it was fine. I, I enjoyed it. It was certainly, you know, if you, if you were lucky with queues, it was a half day at most, but um, there's some but good yeah. stuff there. Oh, we, we were pretty lucky with queues. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I, I think 
honestly, the the front of that park doesn't really do it any favours. I I don't much care for the interior entrance, where all the uh, sort of there's there's some food and dining options packed up in there to uh, kind of look yeah, like. I think a, it could have been done better. Yeah, it just looks cheap, you know. It's kind of like a which the park was initially, and it's kind of a relic of that era. Whereas you yeah. know, the deeper you go in, and as you start to uh, encounter more of the modern additions, you start to feel like, oh, okay, no, they've actually put some money into this. With obviously Ratatouille being the prime example, so more stuff of that budget and quality, I think would uh, would make yeah. that. Would could turn that park into kind of a a whole day park. Um, I reckon you could retheme if you retheme that entrance building to be a cinema. Okay. And then yeah. uh, you in the in it you uh, have a projector onto a big screen that is projecting like the different films from the park. Okay. So your Ratatouille and your Cars and your uh, Avengers. Um, and then kind of like how they do Diagon Alley, you kind of walk around the back of the screen and that's sort of like you're then in the movies, you're as it were. the movies. I could I could go for that. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Another good idea, Josh. Disney, if you're listening. Disney, if you're listening. Spoiler, they're not. <laughs> uh, but no date on cars, right? Uh, no date, no. Okay. Well, Josh, um, I do have some dates for you. Uh, oh. Although it sounds like you've got more than enough on your plate. Am I right? Oh. Uh, some reopening dates for uh, some theme parks that are yet to reopen from the coronavirus. Uh, first up will be Tokyo Disneyland and Disney Sea from the 1st of July. Uh, it's just, I, I regularly forget that we were meant to have been there three months ago. It's oh, yeah. weird. Uh, I, I would very much like to go still at some point. <laughs> Uh, then yep. we've got, uh, as we've just been talking about, it, we've got Disneyland Paris on the 15th of July, which will mean that Disneyland Paris is not the last Disney park to reopen, which I had long assumed would be the case. But the Disneyland California reopening has been delayed. It was due to reopen on, on the 17th, but um, because guidance around what will be required from them in terms of safety, etc., has not yet been kind of put forward by... Uh, the state of California, um, Disney have said they will be unable to reopen on the 17th as planned. Their downtown Disney district will still reopen on the 9th. Um, so, yeah, basically it's in the hands of the state at the moment in terms of what happens with Disneyland. But it is worth noting that the news of the delayed opening did come uh, just after it also emerged that Disneyland employees had started to protest at the planned date of 17th of July because there has been something of a spike in COVID-19 cases in California. But as we will talk about in a second, um, <laughs> I think the main one of the main points of concern in terms of COVID spikes in America now is very much Florida. Um, and as I say, we'll get onto that briefly because just, just to round out the uh, reopening date news, um, because of the UK government's guidance um, various UK theme parks have confirmed that they will reopen on the 4th of July so the likes of Alton Towers Thorpe Park um, Legoland Windsor uh, Chessington which has already reopened its zoo uh, but will fully yeah, reopen. Yeah Alton Towers has the park has the gardens ha have been reopened for a while now. Oh right. But not the ride parts. Yeah that's cool um, 
so Josh, I I think you know you've you've ebbed and flowed a little bit on sort of how skeptical you would feel about going back to the parks as early as when they say they're going to reopen, whether or not you'd leave it a few weeks to see how things go. Um, but you are going to be heading to both Alton Towers and Thorpe Park fairly early, um, one on the yeah. 10th of July, one on the uh, just a few days later. Um, on the 13th, yeah. So you're feeling pretty good about the sort of safety measures that they've announced and, and whatnot? Or are you going purely for uh, journalistic reasons, obviously? Uh, journalistic reasons, I think, uh, have factored into this quite heavily. Um, you know, what's the point in doing a podcast if you're not going to risk your life? Well, exactly. Uh, going to see what the parks are like. Indeed. Um, I, you know, if they do it properly, um, then it should be okay. Um, but we will have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah. So, so what are some of the rules? Are they much the same as what we've seen in? in sort of the Florida parks and, and other parks around the world? Is it is it limited capacity? Is it you must wear masks or, or what? Yes, yeah, so it's limited capacity. Uh, you have to pre-book in advance. Um, so I believe the 4th, 5th and 7th have already sold out at Alton Towers. Right. Um, you have to, they recommend that you check the website every day uh, to make sure that, like, to see what's going on. Um they will. Uh, they are doing the split parking, so you don't park next to each other. Uh, so there's gaps between the cars. Uh, they will do temperature checks on the gate. There is new signage. Um, and this is probably the most intriguing one to me. From the wording of their d- information, you have to wear masks on the rides, but not necessarily when walking around. I mean, I guess that's consistent with the government guidance, isn't it? Which, whether or not you think it's um, a little too lax or what, the government guidance here is that if you, you know, ideally you keep two meters apart from anyone who you're not you're not with. So someone, yeah, and I think by that they mean people you live with or people that you have uh, put in your bubble. And I must admit, I've lost track of. How many people can be in your bubble? How many households can be in your bubble? For people who aren't in the UK, and to be honest, even if you are, you might have got a bit confused. I certainly have at least a couple of times. But basically, the bubble concept is you can kind of pick other households to basically treat as though were also part of your household. So uh, I think it's mostly designed for people who are living by themselves. And so, you know, think of, you know, maybe a, a grandparent who hasn't seen anyone for months could attach their household to uh, another household where, you know, their grandkids might live or something and then, and basically latch onto yeah. that and, and, and act as though they all live together so that when they visit, they don't have to stay two meters apart. Uh, but if you're not in a yes, bubble, for... you need to stay two meters apart from people when you're out and about, and unless it's not possible to do that, um, and that's where this one meter plus concept comes in. And basically what that means is if, if you can't get uh, two meters apart from somebody and it's going to be lower than that, then you have to take extra precautions. So in the case of somewhere like a restaurant, uh, it's like seating different groups back to back, maybe putting screens up between tables, that kind of thing. And I think in terms of general going about life, like going to the shops, going to the cinema, um, and in this case, going to a theme park in instances where you might be closer than you'd like to people, uh, you should wear a mask. So I, I guess that's where I guess that's the point of this rule is that 
generally speaking, when you're just walking around the park, you should be able to keep a distance from other people if it's limited capacity. And so a mask isn't considered necessary, but maybe on rides where you're going to get, even if they do space you out a bit more, you're probably going to brush up a little closer to people. That's why the masks are required there. I guess. Yeah. Um, so even so, they have a so they they go on some more. They've got a social distancing within Alton Towers resort section, uh, where it says you know keep two meters apart where possible. Uh, in in the artwork, you have one person has a mask on, uh, the other person does not have a mask on. Uh, so uh, in this sort of like queuing environment, so they're clearly suggesting that when you're queuing, you don't necessarily have to wear the masks. Um, on the rides, they're going through the every other. Um, line of seats is going to be empty um, the experiences so like the basketball and the catching you know trying to catch a duck and that sort of thing that's all going to be um, not available I don't know even know if the f- on ride photographs are going to be available so um, I'm going to have to check that one on there obviously and then obviously some shops and restaurants and other indoor experiences will also be shut Uh depending on the restrictions and that sort of thing. Uh, all employees are going to be wearing masks. They're going to be more hand sanitizer and deep cleaning and that sort of thing going on. Uh, so they say. Yeah. Um, I, I hope ride photos are wrong because you would want at least one, wouldn't you, as a souvenir to remind you in, you know, five years from now, look back at that really weird summer where, <laughs> where there was a pandemic yeah. on and we still yeah. went to Thought Park <laughs> and had, yep. had to wear a mask. Uh, I'm sure they'll sell you custom masks. I know they don't have the portfolio you can, of characters yeah. and whatnot that your Disney's and your Universal's do, but I'm sure they'll still sell you a branded mask. They will be selling masks. I know that. I've looked that up. Um, will, they give and you, also, will they give you a free mask as we've seen at other parks around the world? When you get there, will they give you a cheap mask for free or will they say that you have to buy one or you're not coming in that is the the suggestion is that they uh they require you to bring your own mask right um not that you uh that it doesn't say that you'll be potentially given one that doesn't mean that say that there won't be someone on the door giving them out because it's probably something that they'd rather you bring your own yeah um, and so don't mention supplying them yeah um, and then they got so the, there is a in the frequently asked questions about the reopening. Uh, this one is also tells specifically. There's a similar one at Thorpe Park, but you can p- pretty much guess what rides going to be open. Um, which rides and attractions will I need to wear a mask on? This list at Alton Towers is Nemesis, uh, Galactica, which used to be called Air, uh, Oblivion, uh, the Smiler, which is the one that uh, those people died on, and that girl horrifically lost her legs on uh wicker man uh, rita 13 um enterprise which i don't actually know what enterprise is blade which i don't know what blade is either uh the runaway mine train and then marauders mayhem which i also don't know um it's interesting there's some, some names there i don't know i don't recognize hmm. curious yeah well um obviously you'll be able to report back on what it's like at each of the parks as you're going within uh going to the two back to back i mean it's well i mean we've kind of been doing our own sort of little miniature covid specific trip report episodes you know specifically the one last week with adrian uh but traditionally we do do uh 
trip reports on on theme parks. So we'll have to have a think about exactly how we do this because we haven't done trip reports on Alton Towers or Thorpe Park before. Um, no, for those who haven't no. listened, I mean, the trip report is literally where we we go through the entire park um, based on our our day there. We we just go round it. Here are all the rides. Here are all the experiences. Here's what I thought of it. Almost treat it a bit like a a guide for people um but with the additional um consideration of the covid safety requirements and all that it will be uh it will, it will be slightly different i suppose when we do those but something to look forward to in the coming weeks yeah. uh, uh i mean it's perfectly lined up for two episodes of the podcast one on thought park and one on alton towers perfect back to back and then you just have to do chessington and then you have to yeah. steal a child and do Legoland. um <laughs> Cool. Well, that's something to look forward to. Um, before you go, which one are you going to second on the 13th? Was it Alton Towers? Alton Towers Alton on the Towers. 13th. Well, before you go to Alton Towers, Josh, just two days, in fact, before, that is when Walt Disney World maintains it is going to reopen. Um, start reopening parks, that is. They've obviously already opened Disney Springs. So that is Magic Kingdom and uh, Animal Kingdom? I think so. I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. Uh, there's only a few days in it, so if we're wrong, we're not totally out of it. I think the others are, whatever the other two are, on the 15th. On the 15th, yes. Now, the reason I bring this up, uh, you know, because it's obviously not news that they're reopening on those dates, is that the cases of coronavirus in Florida this week have been absolutely mental. They've broken their daily record a number of times this week. Um, the most recent number Congrats. I saw was in excess of, I think, 9,000. Yep. Uh, Florida and Texas, I think, are the two states that have most heavily contributed to the U.S. having this sort of, well, massive surge. And uh, the U.S. as a whole had its worst day for coronavirus cases as well this week, with I think more than 40,000 in one day. I mean, it's worrying. I mean, we said, I think when I spoke to Adrian last week, we were still, I mean, Adrian, for people who didn't know, he had obviously gone to the parks in the first few days of them reopening, but had since decided to go into two weeks quarantine with his partner um, just because of the, the rising caseload in Florida and, you know, concerns that they could potentially have picked up the virus while at the parks. Uh, for the record, they were generally positive about their experience at Universal and less so about Busch Gardens and SeaWorld, uh, much less so, it has to be said. Um, yeah. But we thought generally it was probably still too early to attribute the uh, spiking cases in Florida this time last week to the parks reopening uh, because it hadn't quite been long enough. I think at this point you probably could maybe start to suggest that the theme parks reopening may have contributed to the spike in cases. Again, I think it is important to note that I think the, the majority of these new cases that are propping up in a big way in Florida are in the south. Obviously, that yeah, doesn't... Yeah, sort you know, of Miami region. Yeah, obviously people... You know, Miami is where uh, you would have seen a lot of the crowded beaches and whatnot in the earlier weeks of the pandemic. I, I assume it's still mostly the case. People largely have been going about life as a normal in parts of America. Florida certainly falls into that category. Um, and I think, well, it, it's sad and, and it's, it maybe sounds harsh to put it this way, but I think ultimately um, Florida's paying the price now for clearly not taking the virus at all seriously enough and i mean that both at a state level in terms of what the governor there has been saying and doing or not doing uh, and it, you know you have to say as well how plenty of the average person uh that's a really badly worded 
sentence, but, you know, just plenty of ordinary people who I think, you know, regardless of what your state governor is saying, you would like to think that there will be people out there and there definitely are who will who will be able to recognise the gra- gravity of the situation themselves and and uh, act more safely when they're out and about and ideally stay at home. Um, I think you've seen a lot of that in the UK, for example, people who have kind of taken safety measures into their own hands because they've not been maybe fully convinced of what the government's been telling them. Uh, yeah. In Florida, I think what you've had is a case of the governor being irresponsible, but also people taking way too many liberties with the freedoms that they still have. I think, you know, in an ideal world, uh, as a governor, you would like to think you could say, well, you know, we're not going to shut everything. We can just hope that people are more careful. Uh, I think the, the issue in Florida is that the governor hasn't even been really saying that. And also people are clearly not, or a lot of people are clearly not being particularly careful when they do go out. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it's it seems like there's potential for a rough few weeks in Florida if 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 too many of those cases go south i think um what's concerning is the ratio of tests to positive tests positive results is quite high i think it's north of about 13 percent what i saw on i think thursday or maybe yesterday friday uh so you know donald trump has asserted repeatedly that the only reason we've got so many cases is because we're doing so many tests but obviously, yeah, didn't he actually on the Tol- Tulsa rally? He literally said that he asked people to stop testing so the numbers would go down. Pretty much, yeah. It, you know, it's the it's the equivalent of saying, "Well, if you don't have a pregnancy test, you're never going to have kids." And <laughs> essentially, um, you know, I think that that you, you look at somewhere like Germany, for example, which right from the start was doing loads and loads of testing, and I think you could attribute their high case count. Because their, their case count seemed much higher than ours. And ultimately, you could clearly say, well, that's the result of the testing that they're doing because we weren't doing very much at the in the early weeks of the pandemic. So the, the virus was way more widespread in the UK than the testing numbers suggested. Yeah. But in the US, yeah. okay, yes, they do seem to be doing quite a lot of testing, albeit it's all being done at a state level. There seems to be next to no national strategy, which is appalling. But um, the concern in the US is, as I say, the high percentage of people who get tested who it turns out yes actually do have the uh, disease um it's as i say it's high um but do you think i mean my question having rambled about coronavirus was and i think i'll probably know your answer to this really but do you think Walt disney world should still be reopening do you think the theme parks that are currently open will be told to close or do you see this just steamrolling towards disaster um i don't so i don't think that the parks have from the maps that i have seen of where cases have been etc etc um i don't think the parks have had too detrimental effect on the cases there yeah um have however having said that um having a location where people are in proximity to each other and having these high and such high numbers um clearly suggests that the parks should uh not be reopening i think um if the numbers were lower i could you know you could get behind it still like and you know our numbers are severely lower uh, in comparison um but it, you know i so 
the parks opening here kind of makes a little bit more sense. Um, same in you know Tokyo and China and uh, France, uh, but with the numbers so high still in Florida, it, you do kind of question whether the park should be open or not. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I I would certainly, as Adrian said last week, I probably wouldn't feel completely comfortable going to the parks right now. Um, certainly, if they don't seem to be putting in all the appropriate measures and enforcing them appropriately. Uh, but yeah, people people want to go theme parks, going to go theme parks, Josh. It's as simple as that. Uh, it's by, true. By the sounds of things. Um, Just so, me, for example. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. We'll wait and see what happens. I think Disney, Disney, unless they are told, other, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to work towards their, their planned reopening dates. So um, just a yeah. few weeks away at this point. Um, and just to, to stick in, in Florida, uh, another line, and this is unfortunate news, and I think the timing is unfortunate as well, uh, Universal Orlando laying off uh, a decent amount of employees. Um, obviously, Disney World had effectively done this prior to closing or just after closing because, you know, we all saw the stories of them sending home a lot of the exchange program uh, staff that worked at, at Epcot, uh, leaving them in the lurch yep. a little bit. Um Lots of people have been furloughed, and f to be furloughed means something very different in the US to what it does here in the UK. Um, but having reopened, Universal um, obviously aren't seeing the same visitor numbers that they would be used to. And so, yeah, they are laying off an, uh, an unspecified number of team members from the uh, Orlando resort. Um, so, yeah, thoughts with everyone who are being... Uh, who who is being laid off? Obviously, the unemployment numbers in America have been terrifying. So um, yeah, hopefully these people are able to land on their feet. But obviously, that's uh, that, may, that may be delusion talking. It's probably going to be, if we're being honest, a rough time for for anyone who's losing their job right now in terms of trying to find another one. Yeah, for sure. Um, and even if it was a case, I think I'm right in saying that if you get furloughed in the US, what they're effectively saying is, well, you haven't got a job now, but when your job becomes available again, we'll we'll give it back to you. Like we're not just gonna. Yeah. I don't know if you. I, I mean, the wording on this seems to suggest that this isn't even what Universal have done. They have just laid them off, and if they were Oof. wishing to staff up again at some point, they wouldn't necessarily be obliged to go back to the people that they have just laid off and say, hey. Uh, come have your job back. Uh, so yeah, uh, troubling times. But um, Universal, of course, does remain open regardless. Um, yeah, I think that's everything, Josh. That's been a bumper news special. Unless you've got anything else you can think of. Uh, no, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, excellent news. Uh, Lots of stuff to get through this week. Thanks very much for listening. You can, of course, follow the show during the week at Parkrush Podcast on the Twitters and the Instagrams. You can email the show, podcast at parkrush.com. Uh, you can find every episode at parkrush.com or on your preferred podcasting app. We'll be back next week, of course. It could well be another bumper new special. Uh, if not, maybe we'll dip back into our theme park video game review series. Although we're going to have to find a new place to stream, Josh, because I don't know if you heard, but Mixer is, is dead. It's dead. Dead. No, I'm not moving to Facebook gaming, that's for sure. <laughs> no, so we'll have to uh, reposition ourselves 
on that front. But uh, yeah, yep. regardless of what the next week brings, it's going to be a busy few couple of weeks immediately after that, of course, with Josh's upcoming trips, Disney World reopening, uh, Disneyland Paris reopening. It's, it's all kicking off. It's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a busy July. Uh, I'm just putting it out there. Um, yeah. And uh, we'll be back to steer you through it. Stay safe out there, everybody. Take it easy. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.